when I was kind of being given an opportunity to stay at a magazine at quite a junior level or go to an, a lesser known magazine at a more senior level. And I was really like confused about what to do. And I remember like one of the editors was really trying to psych me out. And she was like, you know, that magazine is not as big as ours, blah, blah, blah. And someone said to me, you know, sometimes to move up, you have to move out. Hi everyone, it's Summer and Ellie here. Welcome to the Magnify podcast. If you've ever wanted to know more about developing your purpose or wondered how to deal with imposter syndrome or asked how can my faith help me in my work, then you found the right place. We'll be asking questions to get frank about the endless list of topics we all grapple with in work, all while using faith as a backdrop. And the best part, we'll be getting answers from dynamic individuals at the top of their spheres. With our guests, we'll be entering into some very candid, honest, and funny chats, which we know will leave you informed, intrigued, and inspired in your faith and work lives. So if you're like us and you're wanting to constantly evolve in your career and faith, then get ready, because this is the Magnify podcast. Hey Summer, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good, I'm okay, thank you. How was your weekend? Yeah, good. Um, What did we do? Friday went out to dinner. Saturday I met with a friend who I haven't seen for a while. She's a friend from uni. Mm-hmm. Um, and then went to another friend's birthday in London. Then I had to have dinner with my brother. It was a Social really busy day. Butterfly. <laughs> it was a very busy day. It's really funny. I don't know how you are with like friendships, like how you are with like your friends, but I wouldn't say I'm an introvert, but like... I definitely don't get energized from like yeah. meeting people. Like I definitely. definitely, I'm definitely like a homebody. I always feel like such a grandma because I'm like, I'm like, oh, I just want to like be at home. I have to clean. Like, and it's not that like I don't want to see them. It's just that I, you need time. Yeah, I just I I am like more at peace like when I'm when I have my own space and like my own time and my own yeah my own routine and it doesn't get like affected by other people you know I don't know I don't know if that's no I completely understand what you mean I just can never say no as well like I'm the kind of person that's like I want everyone to just be like happy I saw one thing that was really helpful because I always like this is the boundary thing that's like I've always struggled with so much of saying no to friends because say like I'll leave a day aside at the weekend just to spend by myself and then like someone will be like oh do you want to go for a coffee and I would always usually say like yeah definitely like this day's free but actually if you've left that day to be by yourself that's not a free day like that's still a busy day you're just not busy with someone else and I was like oh that's such a good way to look at it anyways let's move on to the topic of today which is how to progress and stand out in your career as a community of ambitious women and men career progression is important to us and in order to do that we have to learn how to use our unique gifts and talents to stand out So to gain insight into how we can do this, we've invited Delphine Chewy on to chat with us. Delphine is currently the branded content lead at Hearst UK, which is one of the UK's biggest publishers, which looks after publications such as Elle, Harper's Bazaar and Cosmopolitan. Having worked her way up from intern to features editor to branded content lead and now going freelance at the end of the month and focusing on her charity, Care Dogs, Delphine has had buckets of experience in how to grow her career. So in this episode, there's lots of chat about dogs, as well as some amazing practical tips on not only how she has established herself as her best version at work, but also the tools she's using to make her charity stand out now too. She was so fun to chat with, so let's listen in. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi, Delphine. Hi. How are you guys? Hi, good. How are you? I'm great, thank you. I'm pretty, pretty miserable because I've got a dog. So this morning I was just walking in the rain with her. Oh, oh. <laughs> I know, I know the struggle. I have two dogs as well, and so, and they had just got their bath yesterday, and so this oh. morning, <laughs> this morning walking them in the rain, I was like heartbroken because they're so fluffy. <laughs> what kind of dogs do you have? Um, one, the boy, he's a Cavapoo, mm-hmm. and then the little girl, she's 
not a cavapoo. She's like more toy poodle, but has like her mom was a cavapoo. We got yeah. her when she was like four or five months old already. Um, so I just say she's a toy poodle, but she has like a quarter cavalier. What about yours? <laughs> so cute. So my one is, um, she's a rescue from Macedonia. So I don't fully know, but she looks pretty like a Belgian Malinois with down ears. So she's Aww. a 20 kilogram girl. So she's, she's quite, well, she's not, she's not small. Um, <laughs> yeah. so I live with her and I live with my cat, Dylan. Aww. Um, so Aww. All animals here. And there's just always, never a dull moment, which is fun. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So we wanted to start off just with a little bit of fun and do a this or that so just off the top of your head whatever is your favorite thing so heels or trainers trainers i have a Big. dog so oh yeah exactly <laughs> that leads on to the next one the next one big or small dogs Big dogs. Oh, but I like cuddling small dogs. <laughs> I'm going to say big dogs because I love cats and cats are cuddly and small. Yeah. <laughs> Get the best of both um, Spring fashion or winter fashion? Spring. Come alive in the springtime. It has to be yep. Uh, books or magazines? Oh, I probably should say magazines, but I'm going to say books. <laughs> <laughs> um, music or podcasts? Podcasts. Love them. Not just saying that because of this. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> Um, hot or cold drinks? Cold. I'm not really a tea drinker. Sweet or salty? Salty. I think I always prefer savory. But then yeah. saying that, oh, okay, if I have to choose salty. <laughs> yeah, I also agree. Can I add one in just because you've got both a cat and a dog? <gasps> but cats or dogs? I knew. Oh, no. Um, I cannot possibly choose. If I had to choose, if I had to, I would say dogs only because I have many more years experience with them. Fair enough. Yeah, I think as well, like cats and dogs, I've talked about this a lot, but cats and dogs have very different personalities, like not even just individually, but like as a species, because I mean, cats are very independent and like, I think that makes them easier to deal with and like to handle, but, and like, at least my dogs are very like needy. Like they love the cuddles and they don't want to ever be without you. But I feel like if you prefer kind of not having to really having to take care of an animal so much, like cats are very easy to deal with. Dogs need to be taken out all the time and all that, you know? So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, my life is based just work and walks, Um, (laughs) but funnily enough, actually, and I totally agree with that as a whole, but my cat is actually really affectionate and my dog is a bit more independent. Like I know she loves me and like, she's just, yeah, she's a bit more independent while my cat is like so needy. She like rubs up against me. I've got a bit of a weird, uh, uh, a weird one there. (laughs) (laughs) I get the best of both of us. Well, it's so exciting to chat to you, Delphine. So thank you so much for um, taking the time out today. And just before we move on to sort of the chunk of the interview, we also like to just ask a question that we all answer um, just to get to know each other. So what is your biggest pet peeve? Oh my goodness, my biggest pet peeve. Okay. I think it's people who don't have patience or tolerance for children or animals. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's something I've learned a lot with. I walk my dog Nola off lead. She's pretty good, hangs around me. And so many, sometimes like a runner will just like run around her, which really isn't a big deal. And we'll like shout at her for being in the way. And I'm like, it's really not a big deal to just run around a dog or, and also like, she doesn't understand you but you know when you see people kind of getting cross with animals or kids that's probably my pet peeve because like they're so pure just leave them them be Mm, definitely I agree with that one Summer what about you I would say mine has to be people on their phone walking and texting and like not looking where they're going the amount of people I've seen almost get hit by a car 
or a cyclist, or also the problem in our neighborhood is phones getting snatched straight out of your hand. So I just always, every time I see someone, I kind of like poke them on the shoulder and I'm like, Hey, you should put your phone away and, you know, just warning people, but <laughs> good on you for like telling them because yeah, it's a good reminder. Cause I bet they're always really shocked when you tap them on the shoulder and you could be someone who wants to grab their phone or something. So mm. I feel like mine really isn't as deep as those two, but I was thinking about <laughs> this and, um, it's when I love, like, I get really deep in thought and when I do it, I stare into space and it really gets on my nerves and someone like interrupts my stare because it not only interrupts my stare but it interrupts my thought as well like my train of thought and then I just completely forget where I'm going and then I'm just like there was no need for that was there really you You could have left me be that's so interesting I'm now anytime I see someone staring into space I'm not going to be like are you okay I'm just going to do it so yeah yeah you're having a having a good time raising awareness (laughs) yeah yeah so just starting out we just um would love to hear a little bit about your childhood and what it was like and just some of the values that that shaped you and where you are now okay well we're going deep sure um so both my parents are immigrants so my mum is from Belgium so not too far and my dad's from Hong Kong um, and they met actually in the UK when they were kind of in their um university years um so I've always grown up just with my immediate family just with my parents and my two siblings like my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, they're all scattered around the world in like Australia, Hong Kong, um, Belgium, France, etc. So I think that instilled in me very quickly a really strong sense of family. I think also having that international um, background, it really gave me an appreciation for all kind of diversity, especially food and different culture, um, as well as growing up in South London, which is where I've grown up my entire life. Um, So it's been really nice for me to just always feel integrated in the community that welcomed everyone. Um, And yeah, I've grown up Catholic. And uh, so my childhood, I've got lots of really happy memories of going to beautiful churches and other values. Um, I'm also the youngest. So I think that has made me quite, um, I'm quite a sensitive person naturally, but my siblings do tease me. So I think that's I can relate to that one. (laughs) It's tough. I mean, I'm 32 now and they still absolutely rip into me. Um, There's like, I think they like say things like doing a Delphine and I'm like, what does that even mean? (laughs) But um, yeah, so I think for me, um, the main takeaway is really just like really strong family ties. Um, I was always very ambitious as well. Like I went to quite um, a rough state school and I think I was always like, I want to... um, you know do things with my life and kind of move forward and really work hard there was always that kind of ethic of working hard um, but also a real deep desire to belong which I think only now in my 30s I really feel like actually I don't always need to kind of conform to things to belong I hope that answered your question I feel yeah. like yeah no definitely yeah <laughs> and we're definitely well. going to get into a lot of that more especially yeah. about your career um, but just quickly what has been the proudest moment of your career so far and why Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Magazine wise, um, I've done quite a few things that I was really proud of. I think um, my first kind of cover magazine interview was, I think I was about 25, 26. And it was a cover interview for Stylist magazine with Catelyn Moran, who's a a journalist. She's quite famous. She's quite a famous writer. And um, and it was just like seeing the cover and seeing people hand out that magazine and knowing that I'd written that was like, mm-hmm. wow, that was quite a big moment. Um, but I have to say it's probably been eclipsed by um, 
the day, which was Christmas Eve Eve, that my charity idea was registered with the Charity Commission. Just because I had this idea, we've obviously been talking about pets a lot, um, about how dogs can like help solve loneliness and social isolation. And I've been mm. sitting on this idea for ages and I thought, okay, what experience do I have? I have none in the charity sector. I'm a magazine journalist, what am I gonna do? And I think when I finally got the courage and um, to just try and register it and see if it had legs, the day that I found out it was registered, which was seven months after I did my application, wow. that was probably a career highlight, which I hope will continue to go far. Yeah, how wow. amazing. That must have felt like a long seven months waiting for that one. <laughs> <laughs> it did, it did, it didn't because I think I had so much doubt. I had so much doubt. I was like, of course they're not going to register. Like, I'm not part of the third sector. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I had this real imposter syndrome. So I kind of thought, mm, you know, like, it was more of a surprise to find out that it got registered in the sense I kind of not lost hope. I just thought, oh, okay, that was never going to work anyway. So it yeah. was a huge moment for me. And also just a moment to just believe in yourself no matter what. Yeah, I love that so much. And I know that you're going freelance um, at the end of this month and taking care of dogs full time, which is your regist now registered charity. Um, <laughs> but obviously at the moment, you're full time the branding content lead at Hearst um, UK. So can you just speak us a bit about your journey and how you ended up in that role? Yes, absolutely. So um, I have always loved writing. And as a teenager, I loved magazines. I used to watch, um, read like Glamour all the time and like J17, like all these kind of magazines. And I knew I wanted to be in that world. So I, um, straight after uni, I started doing internships and I was figuring out where in magazines do I feel I fit? You know, I did everything from fashion covered, um, clean up. I literally was vacuuming a fashion covered as a 21 year old graduate, um, learning about like features. I even wrote um, for like the FT and stuff like that, like really figuring out what I wanted to do. And then I ended up in entertainment and culture. Um, so I did that um, and that kind of led me on a trajectory of doing that kind of movie reviews and, um, you know, looking up new artists and new actors. And, and it was really great. Um, one of the highlights was going to the BAFTAs, which was incredible. Um, so it kind of snowballed, to be honest. Once I managed to get my first, my foot in like the first magazine, I just kind of jumped around to different women's magazines. Um, funnily enough, actually, my first uh, paid internship was at GQ. So I was there for six months. Um, I think I got it because I was a big gamer at the time. And they really <laughs> so I the games concept. So I was like, I'll do it. Um, and uh, yes, I was in editorial for quite a long time writing. Um, I ended up going from entertainment to features. So I was doing a lot of like trend-based stuff because I had studied anthropology at uni. So I'm really interested in like the sociology of things and, and why things come to be. And um, so I was doing a lot about kind of like how relationships were changing, how friendships were changing, stuff like that. My job before this one is I was at Marie Claire as their features editor online. Um, and then I was approached about this role and it was a time where publishing world's always been a bit lucrative. Like, um, you know, people keep saying print is dying, but then print has a resurgence. And I kind of felt like I wanted to future-proof myself a bit. So I was given this opportunity to go into branded content, which um, basically very similarly, I do magazine editorial, but it's like, it will have a 30% integration of like a client message. So it might be, a fashion brand that wants to push dress, dresses. So it might be that I um, start doing an article about like an appreciation of dresses and talking about why 
um, dressing in dresses. How many times can I say that word? Um, <laughs> like a dopamine hit and makes you feel like good about yourself. And maybe I'll look into the psychology of like why that's better than just wearing tracksuit bottoms or something. And then obviously mention the brand. So I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot because when I was on magazines, it was very independent. You know, I would choose something to write and then I'd write it on my own. It was like an island. But now um, I work with quite a big team. I work with like project managers, account managers and, and clients and different creatives. Um, so it's been really good for me to learn to collaborate and to work as part of a team. Yeah, definitely. I love that so much. And I think it's just so amazing. Like you can almost see just from intern to job to job to job, how hard you've worked. You know, you've really seen that growth just by looking at your experience, never mind you explaining it. And I think we'll go into that um, in a minute with Summer, just going into sort of how you are able to stand out in such a competitive industry. Um, But I'm just interested to know, obviously, you did a lot of interning before you first got that paid internship at GQ. And a lot of the time with unpaid internships, obviously like financially you're not getting a huge reward from that. So how did you make sure you were getting sort of the reward in terms of skills and knowledge um, during those times when you weren't necessarily getting the financial benefit from them? Yeah, great point. I mean, I think it's really difficult. I was really blessed because I was living with my mum at the time, Um, but I did, I was working in retail on the side. So it was a lot of just seven day weeks, but I think, I, I like to try and differentiate it with like work experience versus internships because um, the internships that I ended up doing, which were the paid ones, were like six month roles. So there was a lot of space for growth. The work experiences uh, placements I was doing was anything from like two weeks to three months. Um, and I would just really research the person that I was mainly going to be reporting to. So I'd want to know like what they were into, what stories that they did that I really liked. Um, I'd want to really try and vibe with them and almost make them a bit of a mentor. Um, So I really would just go in all guns blazing and it wasn't easy because I was quite a shy um, 20 something. And yeah, so I think I always just wanted to make sure I was really equipped. And someone once told me to like go in and be like a sponge. So don't, you don't always have to go in the first day like, oh, hi, this is me and this is, you know, blah, blah, like, obviously they're so busy and you're like another kind of, um, what I call it, cog in the machine in a way, like, you know, some of these people have a different um, work experience person every two weeks. So I think accepting that, knowing that, spending my first, depending on how long it was, couple of days, um, really absorbing everything and then knowing the right questions to ask rather than kind of going in um, a bit ignorant and blind. Um, I think I always just made sure that it felt really intentional. Like every question I asked, every hour I would work later, it was for an intention, not just, um, hello, (laughs) After your internship stage, um, and then during the interview stage in your first job, how did you establish yourself as the best candidate on paper? And like, how did you prepare yourself for that? Oh, that's a really great question. Um, I think, A, I would go through like all the questions that I think they were going to ask me. So what I do after every interview is I just really quickly on my phone note down all the surprising questions they asked me because, um, you know, there's some which are really standard. Mm -hmm. What are you going to bring to the role? Like, what do you think of our competitors? But there are some that surprise you. Like um, one which was quite detailed was like, tell us a time when you were challenged by someone and you overcame it in a work scenario. And I was just thinking, what? Like, it was such a specific kind of case study. So anytime I've had a complicated question, um, I have 
written it down so I've got like a flurry of all the questions I think they're going to ask me so yeah just trying to be prepared again similar to what I said before researching who's going to interview you um researching their competitors I suppose something you can do that's quite um handy now with like analytics and stuff is you could actually see what people search for when they search for that magazine for example you know if it's um a fashion magazine what are people googling around that fashion magazine because then you can bring that insight and say oh it seems like your readers are really interested in your accessories section or whatever it is you know probably even more specific than that um so yes i think research but then saying that you're asking me on paper um so i think cv wise um it's important to also um show your personality you know if you're into volunteering like put that down just so that you look at like a well-rounded person as well as the kind of experience you have um if you can kind of say you've got passion projects and back that up you know like i'm really passionate about animals and i've been volunteering um, with this dog charity for example that shows that you're a committed person and that you when you enjoy something you really go for 100 percent. yeah amazing yeah that's actually really good tips <laughs> that surprise question you were speaking about then of like what's a scenario like a challenging scenario you face one of my friends had that in an interview of the day and i i had the same situation where i was like i have no idea what i would say like mm-hmm. in if someone asked me that right there and then i don't know what i would do and it would probably definitely show on my face as well that i wouldn't know what the answer <laughs> was so ever since then i'm just like okay every time something happens i'm like this could be an example this could be an example it's worth keeping a note of those things like i've got a spreadsheet that i call like accolades <laughs> like anytime like something you know good like whether it's uh I don't know, like um, back in 2019, one of my videos was like the most watched video on Elle for the entire year. And I was like, okay, I need to remember this because that's a really good thing to bring up in an interview. And I think, and it's so easy to forget when you're under pressure and the adrenaline is running through your veins. Like you're like, oh, I've never achieved anything ever. But (laughs) we're like, no, like there's loads, you know? So yeah, I absolutely agree with that, Um, Ellie. I think that's really important to just remember those specific examples. Purpose holds the center of many conversations at Magnify, especially on this podcast. It intersects with our view of self, work, and life, and it can honestly be really hard to navigate. Yeah, definitely. And it's a topic that can leave us with a lot of questions as well. Like, what is my purpose? And what if my purpose changes? And where do I even start with fulfilling it? So to help you navigate these huge questions, we're offering a free downloadable on 10 key ways to living out purpose and work when you sign up to our emails. They've been great reminders for us and have been so encouraging and centering us in those moments when doubt arises about purpose. So if you want to join our community of women who are growing and evolving in their purpose, just head to the link in the description box to get your free downloadable straight to your inbox. I almost find more difficult to sort of set yourself on paper and to stand out on paper. But equally, I think like face-to-face relationships can be... um, so important especially when you're working like you're wanting to um, progress within the same industry in the same sphere as well so I guess like networking and building relationships within your experience how have you managed to also make sure that you're standing out face to face and building those good relationships so I have a trick that I always do is like wear something statement like wear a conversational Mm -hmm. piece whether it's like I have a pair of just really loud palazzo trousers, which like I used to just like rock out to every interview in because they'd be like, whoa, your trousers are, wow. Um, I'm not saying they're the most fashionable things, but they were memorable. Um, (laughs) Also, I mean, this is a bit creepy, but with Instagram, it's so easy. I would sometimes (laughs) look up like my manager's Instagram or something. I remember one and she was really into wine, like super into wine. And I remember that um, she asked me my first day, she's like, oh, so what kind of, what are your hobbies? And I was like, well, I really love wine, which actually I do. I wasn't lying. (laughs) I wasn't lying, but I was like, well, I'm really into wine. Like I like um, 
uh, tasting like organic wines and stuff. And it was a great talking point. And obviously, mm-hmm. it is a bit weird, but we do have access to people's lives in a way that we didn't have before. Mm-hmm. Why not use it a little bit? See if you can find some common ground. Um, I'll be honest, I'm not, I'm never the last one at a party. I get far too tired. So like I'm such a hoot for like two and a half hours. So <laughs> I will just make sure that I'm like saying hello to everyone, making an impression. And then I just do the like classic Irish goodbye. You have no idea I've gone. So it's always like making a good lasting first impression. impression. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then sometimes it's also making a good lasting impression, you know, like making sure at the end of the day that you're saying bye to everyone or, you know, you're not just, the slip out is also, is just in a social setting if it's like a party or something and you can do it um, socially acceptably. But um, yeah, I think it's just about making, uh, you know what, it's this word again, it's intentional. Just making sure that your social interactions with people are intentional and they're not mm. just, uh, you know, because you can have like a small talk conversation with someone for like hours or you can have a deep conversation. I tend to, I don't, I'm not very good at small talks. It tends to go very deep, very quickly. Mm, yeah. I'm not sure if that's the best advice, but that's <laughs> worked for me. Wow. I actually love this so much. There's such good tips. Like the pants, the trousers, I don't even think yeah. about wearing like something memorable like those are just little things that you don't and subconsciously too right like they're definitely going to remember that um I love that that's actually so great earrings and lipstick are also good like you either Mm -hmm. go like a bright a bright kind of print or really statement earrings or just like a really cool lipstick color like it can be anything just something that they'll remember in their brains it's just it's never failed me Wow. I love that um so obviously you've talked a lot about kind of the the parties and the um all the PR events that you've had to go to. And obviously you have worked in a sphere where a lot of talented people are at the top of their game. Um, how did you find the confidence in your gifts and abilities that you could bring something new and exciting to the table? So I'm 32 now. And I think when I entered the journalism world, magazines were still, they were kind of at the end of their heyday. See, it was very, it was quite similar to like Devil Wears Prada kind of lifestyle, like editors taking uh, cabs everywhere, having like long champagne lunches. Well, you know, now it's it's a lot more kind of informal. I think people take the tube to go to fashion week and they, you know, they, they work at their desk over lunch. But I think I kind of joined just at that cusp. So it was incredibly intimidating. Like the, the magazine editors themselves, they were normally in their 40s, 50s, and they were, you know, real bosses. Um, so I think uh, I did find it quite intimidating. And it was such a glamorous world. And I was just like, okay, I'm just from South London. I'm gonna enter here, just try and fit in. Um, how did I kind of find the confidence in that? I think, um, I just tried to make myself really useful. I was really keen and I wanted to help. And I think, um, I think I was good at what I did because I was very applied and, you know, maybe not the best advice because looking back on it, I think sometimes that was taken a bit advantage of because sometimes I would work even if I wasn't feeling a hundred percent, which I think now there's such a healthier concept of, Hey, if you're not feeling well, take the day off. But at the time I really felt, and that was probably an insecurity thing. Like I can't take a day off. I need to, I need to work. I need to prove myself. Um, so yeah, it was, it was kind of like trying to make myself indispensable to everyone. But at the same point, if I could do it again, I wouldn't do it at the expense of like my well being. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think just, just trying to figure out where the gaps were, where the needs were and how I could fill those. Yeah, definitely. That's so yeah. good. And I think that's sort of, 
um, leads on to what we wanted to speak about then of you saying like how you almost said yes to a fault. And I think like when we're sort of wanting to get to a certain place and we have a certain goal in mind, we can often maybe feel like saying no just makes us seem like we're not sort of wanting to do something and we're perceived as not willing by someone else and whether that's like our manager or I don't know with a charity someone who's looking to invest in you and those sorts of things so I guess like how did you sort of display your dedication to what you wanted to do and your obvious passion for it as well whilst also sort of respecting your own boundaries and making sure they were known to others as well okay yeah this is a great question it's probably something that I've only really gotten comfortable with recently in the past kind of two years um I I think it's also the social climate that we live in now, like we're a lot more of a value driven world. Um, and, you know, I think when I identified my values and what was really important to me, um, it became a lot easier to push back and say, actually, is there someone else who can work on this piece? Because I don't feel comfortable covering this topic or I don't feel experienced. I'm not experienced in this field or um, it goes against my, for example, I'm vegetarian so I don't tend to like to write stuff about meat it feels really inauthentic for me and also why why would you ask me because <laughs> you know I, I don't really I can't like taste test the recipes and stuff um or things that I feel go against my faith for example so um it's just being bold but always being polite and always giving an explanation like never just being like no um like always saying like thank you for this opportunity However, is there any solution or any way around? And I've been quite blessed. I've never been in a corner where I've had to do something that's compromised my values. However, I always do phrase it of, because I understand a job is a job and they are paying you to do a job. So I'll always say, is there any way around this? You know, so for example, I guess sometimes I'll hand something over completely to a different editor, or if I have to remain the editor on it, I'll commission it to a freelancer. Um, so being solution focused, being positive and being polite, I think is the best way to get results. Um, Cause no one likes to hear no. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's your boss or whoever's saying that. So yeah, that would be my advice. Yeah. And it's been really amazing hearing about your career so far. We know that you're currently in a transition phase. So we kind of just wanted to talk a little bit about that transition. And um, if you can just give us a little insight into why you decided to go freelance with care dogs full time. Sure thing. So um, I was, when I was about 24, I was on a magazine, a Condé Nast magazine that folded completely. Um, it was called Easy Living, RIP. It was kind of like Glamour's older sister. I feel like I remember um, that one. Do you? Oh, it's a really nice magazine. But, um, and I remember coming out of that and being like, oh my gosh, like I've been made redundant. I mean, everyone's made redundant because it closed. And so I, I kind of dipped my toe in freelancing at that time. And it was really fun. I was writing for gosh, I was writing for like men's health and it was a really fun time. And I wasn't ready to be freelance at 24 because I, I craved that stability and the security of a full-time job. So then a role came up at ASOS, which was my first um, experience of writing for something that felt editorial, but was obviously client led. And that was really good for me. And I remember, but I remember thinking, oh, freelancing is quite fun. But then I just ended up on a bit of a snowball of like, okay, next job, next job, next job. Um, and I suppose like, I, I love what I do. Like I love writing, I love editing, I love coming up with creative concepts, but this desire to do something um, with that could benefit people and animals was like so high in my heart. Mm -hmm. And um, trying, so I've, I've 
registered care dogs Christmas Eve Eve of 2018 and that first year was literally just me trying to find a team like just trying to find some people who would at board level basically on a volunteer level as a trustee um, would help to form our foundations you know that was my main thing and it was so hard doing that on the side of a full-time job and then we were meant to launch so I got my team like 2019 then we were meant to launch in 2020 then COVID happened and as I'm sure with everyone COVID just made everyone realize like a what's important which to me is like my family my values um b like life is too short <laughs> life is too short and um so yes, yeah, so all this kind of stuff was bubbling around and I was just getting exhausted trying to do both. And I really don't condone burnout. Um, you know, I see some videos on TikTok. I actually am not on TikTok, but um, <laughs> they go on, you know, people upload their TikToks on Instagram and it's like, no sleep, um, just keep going. Like about how people like start businesses. I, I don't condone that because I just don't, it's not sustainable. You have to find something sustainable. Anyway, then it got to a point, so Hurst are having a big restructure, which is publicly known, and there was an opportunity to go for voluntary redundancy. And it was something I'd been thinking about leaving my full-time job for a while, um, but it's really hard to walk away from a paycheck. It's really, really hard to walk away from that security. Um, but this opportunity came up and I thought, huh, okay. So I kind of was thinking about it, thinking about it. I went for a walk with my dog. I literally looked up at the sky and said, God, I don't know what, I, what to do. Like, tell me what to do. I have no idea. And honestly, I kid you not, an old dog kind of like started hobbling towards me. And I talked to his owner and it was this 90 year old lady called Sally. And she said to me, oh, I said, your dog is so cute. Like, blah, blah, fawning over the dog. And she said, oh, I think I'm going to have to give him away because I don't have a support network. I don't really have anyone. Um, you know, it's just me and um, her dog, Matty. And I was just like okay, I get it. Like, this is the sign I needed. It could not have been louder for me. And I just thought, if not now, when? Mm. Um, and, you know, I'm really blessed in the sense of this is going to keep me afloat for maybe kind of like three months before I'm going to have to really start being like, okay, how am I going to pay my bills? Um, so everything just fell into place. And I think I just need to take that leap of faith. Um, and it definitely is a leap. Maybe you should talk to me again in six months to see how it's going. Um, but it just, it just felt like everything aligned for it, um, which I think is often the case when you need to make big decisions. That's a great story. It really is. And I think, yeah, um, yeah I think obviously there you speak about your faith helping you sort of know that it was the right decision. And I guess as well, like, could you go into that a bit more of like, now when you're leaving at the end of July, and you're sort of speaking about that leap of faith, how much of it is sort of faith and how much of it is sort of like the strategic part of actually trying to build that charity? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think what my faith does is it stops me feeling scared. Um, <laughs> there's like a really good quote in the Bible where it's like, be anxious for nothing. Um, and it's a good reminder for me because like today, for example, I had a one-to-one -one with my manager and the whole um, freelance shifts at work are changing so I don't actually have anything with my current role lined up just yet and immediately I just thought oh my gosh what what like I thought this was going to be you know a shoe-in lined up and I thought no like my faith then creeps in and says don't worry because it is all going to fall into place and then that gives me the a positive mindset to go into the strategy so okay let's look at numbers how much money at a minimum do I need to make to be able to pay my bills and live for the month 
And it's so, it's kind of like the faith makes you feel positive and then the strategy kicks in and you just have to look at it very realistically. Yeah, I think it's just about being smart about it and not being afraid because I think um, fear is really thinking about unknown scenarios but it's like if you go through those scenarios in your head then you know you're equipped to deal with them yeah wow and obviously you know talking about your transitional phase in your career I'm sure you've um had a lot of help from like friends and family in order in order to kind of make that decision so what was the best advice that you received so far in terms of staying positive and hopeful in that journey when I was kind of being given an opportunity to stay at a magazine at quite a junior level or go to an, a lesser known magazine at a more senior level. And I was really like confused about what to do. And I remember like one of the editors was really trying to psych me out and she was like, you know, that magazine is not as big as ours, blah, blah, blah. And someone said to me, you know, sometimes to move up, you have to move out. And it was a really wow. good piece of advice for me because it, I basically was at that magazine as an intern and they wanted to make me an assistant but I had an opportunity to move as a writer which is kind of like because it goes intern assistant writer um so I kind of could jump over that and I remember thinking even if they promote me to assistant they will always see me as the intern mm. and you know that really helped me it empowered me to be like okay and um, anyone who looks at my LinkedIn or my CV will see that my first seven years, I changed jobs every year. Um, everyone used to make a joke when I start a new job, like, oh, you're the 12 month girl. <laughs> um, because it was just, I wanted to, I knew my worth and I knew like, I didn't want to be in a junior position for too long if there was an opportunity. So I'd always go for it. Yeah. Just kind of, why not go for it? The worst they're going to say is no. And I suppose like I naturally don't have too much fear of rejection um which is very helpful because you know sometimes I've gone for jobs and people have been like heck no like you are so unqualified I'm like okay um <laughs> no worries that. yeah no worries excuse me um, so it's just about having that bounce back really and um yeah I mean not that of course rejection hurts and like you know mm -hmm. I've, I've gone for jobs before and not gone in them and you know felt like oh no why me but I think um just trying to silence that imposter syndrome yeah definitely and I think as well like it's interesting because obviously the sort of theme and topic of this particular podcast is um just sort of how to make yourself stand out and with your sort of previous job at Hearst or your current job even for the moment is like making yourself stand out but I suppose now moving into the charity sector and being a business owner and charity owner you're sort of focusing more on how to leverage that than your own abilities and gifts I suppose but how do you sort of utilize your unique strengths and gifts to be able to leverage your um, charity care dogs? Yes yeah, so I'd actually turn that around slightly because in a mm -hmm. way what I'm trying to do is be like so honest that I do not know the charity sector mm -hmm. I have not been part of the third sector and I think um, I don't want to try and pretend that I know it and it's really interesting because someone actually said to me like they said, you know, your website makes your charity look incredibly like um, uh, far along in its journey. You know, you should just be honest that you're a startup and, you know, you're learning all this stuff because people are more likely to respond to that and resonate with that. So I suppose for me, it's been like, OK, what do I know? I know branding and I know content and I know how to make something exciting and make people want to buy into something. I might not know how to run the best volunteer program, but I know how to make people kind of want to buy into it. So what I've tried to do is really hone in on my strengths and be really humble at asking for help with everything else, which has been really hard for me, if I'm honest, because um, 
this charity. I mean, as a journalist, like every article of yours is like a baby, you know, like you've got the byline, it's just your name against it. Um, it is yours, you own it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, with this charity, and I think probably the first, I was a bit like, mm, my precious, but no, it's not like that. Like I have to extend to other people. I cannot do it on my own. So I think um, that was a really hard lesson for me is kind of being like, no, the only way this is gonna grow is if I share it and really openly and authentically share it. So it was very much like, okay, I, I need help understanding HR. Can anyone help me with that? Um, so that's probably how I've done it. And I'm hoping that that uniqueness helps us stand out. Um, and obviously you've recently started the charity and um, throughout um, that journey, what have been kind of like the main lessons you've learned so far? Um, and what would your advice be to others in like a similar situation? Yeah, I mean, I guess this is quite good at any kind of person with a business idea, but my first idea was really big. So I originally wanted to help um, over 55s to adopt rescue dogs and then offer them like dog walking support because I, I found out from research that that demographic of over 55s was really low in the dog adopter community. I was like, why, what's stopping them? Like maybe they don't know how to do an application form. Maybe they don't have access to the tech or, you know, cause normally that's the age, that's the demographic that have houses and have space and have time because they're retired. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my original idea. That's how Care Dogs was born. And it's been interesting because in the year, the kind of two years I've really been trying to push the service, I'm learning more and more people are interested in services that help the masses. So what I originally wanted to help was people who were okay, socially isolated or lonely, but they were probably financially and physically able to have a dog themselves. And there are a lot of people out there who financially can't afford a dog or physically they can't look after one full time. So we're launching a new service, which is like a befriending um, service. So basically volunteers with dogs and they go visit these people and they have a cup of tea or take them for a walk or something. And it's going to be so much easier to deliver that service. And the reason why is because that group of people is so much bigger. So I think um, having the ability to, and the humility to pivot because you know I was attached to that idea and like it's still one of our services but I think it's going to be eclipsed by this one um so my advice is probably at a startup stage know that things are going to change like don't be too married to your original idea because when you put it into practice it's not always not everything glitters you know like it it can be challenging um be open to pivoting um and obviously you're very passionate about sort of like branding and being able to sort of stand out and again you speak about your website there um but what would you say sort of like are the few elements that have been most most important in sort of being able to differentiate from other charities that are doing a similar thing um in terms of your brand maybe that's aesthetic maybe that's sort of the mission and making that clear could you just sort of go a bit more into that as well that would be great yeah, of course. I think it's having really clear branding guidelines. So really early on, I obsessed over like the logo or the color scheme we were going to use, the fonts we were going to use, and also the tone of voice. Like I was very much like, I want us to be conversational and friendly. Um, because when no one knows who you are, like you're really trying to build yourself into a household name, it's really difficult. So I think it's about having, even though it felt silly, I had like two followers, it was like my mum and sister, and I was there like, here, I'm gonna use our, our beige and our font, but it's so important to kind of um, take a bit of a step back and build the identity, even if it feels silly because it feels like no one is listening, like have the identity first and then roll it out and the people will come. 
some great advice to finish off then um but thank you so much delphine for your time today i think we both love talking to you such an amazing chat with delphine and what an amazing lovely person so some of what were what were your best takeaways from that yeah i really loved talking with her i really think she had some amazing practical tips um specifically like you know wearing old clothes or actually practically making yourself stand out from the crowd um when it comes to networking and also just fully preparing yourselves when it comes to meeting people um i think you know those are some things that can be really overlooked and i think it yeah just really helps you to stand out i also loved what she said of like sometimes to move up you have to move out and that just like reinforces this idea like sometimes you can get caught up in the status of like the publication you're working at or the place the corporation whatever sphere you're in you're working at but sometimes the best way to progress is actually by moving out to something else so just keeping that in mind as well when looking to grow in your career and and reach your visions and your goals as well Um, but yeah an amazing chat as always thank you so much for joining us today make sure you share this episode and tag us on social media with the lesson that you've learned as we love to hear how you're growing and how these episodes are serving you don't forget to subscribe so you never miss out on a new episode and feel free to leave us a review as it really does help us out Thank you.